0: Acquaintance with grief. Isaiah 53 3 says, A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We are not acquainted with grief in the way in which our Lord was acquainted with it. We endure it, we get through it, but we do not become intimate with it. At the beginning of life, We do not reconcile ourselves to the fact of sin. We take a rational view of life and say that a man, by controlling his instincts and by educating himself, can produce a life which will slowly evolve into the life of God. But as we go on, we find the presence of something, which we have not taken into consideration—sin. And it upsets all our calculations. Sin has made the basis of things wild and not rational. We have to recognize that sin is a fact, not a defect. Sin is a red-handed mutiny against God. Either God or sin must die in my life. The New Testament brings us right down to this one issue. If sin rules me, God's life in me will be killed. If God rules me, sin in my life will be killed. There is no possible ultimate but that. The climax of sin is that it crucified Jesus Christ. And what was true in the history of God on earth will be true in your history and in mine. In our mental outlook, we have to reconcile ourselves to the fact of sin as the only explanation as to why Jesus Christ came, and as the explanation of the grief and sorrow in life. Isaiah 52 to give a little context to today's verse. And I, Isaiah 52, 14 As many were astonished at him. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the sons of men. So shall he settle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told, them they shall see, and that which they have not heard, they shall understand. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or comeliness that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. From experience, it's extremely hard to believe any of this is true. It's much easier to say only Bible thumpers believe this stuff, this made up story. This is something that I would run through my mind as a way to reject God and have no desire for Jesus. It was only as I started to get older and experience trials did God start to plant seeds in me and of course the devil's thorns grew tighter around me. But ultimately, God won in the end. Truth overcame lies in my own life because I made a choice. I chose to no longer serve sin. It is still a fact in my life, as Oswald says, I chose the way of Jesus and asked God to rule in me so that sin would be killed. I like how Oswald says, We have to recognize that sin is a fact, not a defect. Sin has made the basis of things wild and not rational. I remember spending most of my life trying to plan things, getting advice from other people, but sin is wild. It's not rational. It'll upset any plan we have if that plan isn't grounded in Jesus. That's a fact. Any plan we try to make to defeat sin that excludes Jesus will not work. It'll only glorify the sin. It'll grow it. Remember, life is rather black and white when it comes to Jesus and sin. Jesus came to defeat sin. So, if we're not turning to Jesus during this season, whether it's a trial battling through something that's been persistent in your life, something that just came up or if you're things are smooth you just overcame and you're you're basking in the glory of God if you aren't turning to Jesus during those seasons then returning to sin As a follower of Christ, this is truth. We can't follow Jesus 87% of the way and deviate because it gets tough or deviate for whatever reason. And then choose to serve sin that final 13%. Jesus says over and over what this leads to. If we choose not to walk through the gates of Jesus choosing sin. I tend to default to being more of a serious person, which isn't a bad thing. But what's bad about it is my attitude while I'm serious. I'm learning to be truly joyful as Jesus wants us to be while we're doing his work. So, I want to read this summary of Isaiah 53:3 by John Right Reitenbach because I think it removes our cultural lies about joy and what it means to be happy and inserts God's truth on the subject. So John goes on to say about Isaiah 53.3, Jesus shared life with those of his neighbors. Untold numbers of circumstances were capable of causing him to feel rejection, sorrow, and grief. He endured Judea's subjection to Rome and shared with its citizenry the stresses and strains of the occupation of their homeland. Hebrews 2.17 adds, Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, Jesus anticipated what was coming on the nation, prepared for it as well as he could, and persevered through it along with the rest of his fellow citizens. These days, one of the main objects of life for most people seems to be seeking out someone or something to make them laugh. It is not wrong to laugh, God certainly built that capability within us. Indeed. Some of his creations are quite humorous to observe. It is interesting to note that the New Testament contains not one instance of Jesus laughing, smiling, or grinning. There are a few references to his being glad, so perhaps his gladness caused him to smile. He speaks frequently of his joy, but mere laughter is not joy. Joy is a fruit of God's Spirit, and it is therefore, a spiritual quality. Anybody, whether or not he has God's spirit, can merely laugh. Laughter, which can also be cruel and sarcastic, appears to be on a lower level of importance to joy, to life and joy. He ends it with this: The overall impression from God's Word, is that life is a serious business that requires full-time attention. Jesus instructs us in Matthew 7.14, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Our Lord had only one opportunity to live life for the purpose of providing the sacrifice of sufficient to justify those of faith before God. His purpose was so serious that it gave him no latitude for even one sin. His offering had to be perfect. He could not depend upon God's mercy that it was just a little sin that the conduct of the Romans forced him to sin or that Satan tricked him. We are to follow Christ and obviously he took his calling to be our Savior seriously. So I'll end it there. I thought that was a good description um, that went on Isaiah 53.3 which was part of today's devotional. So remember take the day serious. But be joyful. Don't look frumpy and be frumpy. Be glad and joyful and serious, strong. Allow God in front of you. Allow God behind you. And persevere through this season, through this day. God bless you.